Welcome to Stress-Free Living. I'm Gregory Landsman. From as early as I can recall, I remember being aware of signs that read, whites only on buildings, park benches, toilets, movie theatres, restaurants, and whole areas of the community. I learned to read those signs before I even went to school. Life as a young boy growing up in South Africa was confusing. I was too young to understand so many of the things that I was experiencing. And there were so many apparent contradictions in my world that confused me. Why were boys considered good and strong for beating up kids that could not defend themselves? Why was I considered weak and wrong for not wanting to hurt people? Why were people with different coloured skin treated differently when they weren't any different from us? Why did my own extended family reject me for the colour of my skin? when I was one of them. Looking back on my experiences, I can see how easy it is to lose sight of what makes us beautiful human beings. My life in South Africa was full of unspoken lessons about what makes a person good and bad. Apartheid South Africa defined first-class and second-class citizens by the colour of their skin. White, Asian, coloured and black. As a child of six, I knew there were rules and that we needed to abide by them. Yet I didn't understand when we were out why I couldn't sit on certain benches when I was tired, or why I had to hold on because I wasn't allowed to go to a toilet that was right in front of me. To me, it made no sense. I had long asked, what kind of society tells a child that they aren't enough to sit on a park bench or go to a toilet? The only answer can be, one that at its very heart made our differences and our humanity wrong. Despite not understanding why people were treated differently, the way I saw the world started changing as the air of oppression around my skin colour became more and more evident. This was forever fixed in my mind after I saw an incident outside our house. One afternoon as I peered through a crack in our fence, I saw two policemen shouting at an African man because he didn't have a pass to be in the area. The man was sweating with terror, his eyes pleading for pity. Swooping on him, they started hitting him relentlessly. He fell to his knees begging for mercy, but they just kept kicking him. Trying to get up and run, they hit his face until the skin split open. All the while he let out unearthly cries for them to stop, and blood gushed everywhere. In the end, the man looked like a bleeding, swollen monster. Some people stopped to look and then turned their backs and walked away. Crying and bleeding, they dragged him by his feet, his face scraping the gravel. Picking him off the ground, they laughed and threw him into the back of the van. They shut the doors and drove away. My heart was beating like crazy, but I was rooted to the spot with fear that paralysed me. I couldn't even scream. It felt like my tongue was glued to the bottom of my mouth and couldn't move. When I looked at the blood, in my mind I recall thinking that we were all red on the inside and that this made us the same. Isn't it strange that we think we are so different from the next person, but our bodies are all held together by the same ligaments. We all have a heart that allows us to feel, lungs to breathe, and red blood that flows through our veins. But even as a child, I knew that being red on the inside didn't count outside my own house. 
The dark skin gave you no rights. The darker you were, the less freedom you had. Those were the rules. I had seen a horrible thing, and it made me feel scared. In fact, whenever I thought of those policemen, I felt scared and decided right there and then that I needed to be very good so I wouldn't be treated badly like the man outside for having dark skin. The sadness is that when we define people purely by their colour, we miss the very best parts of who they are. We tell them that this is how they need to define themselves, and along with that comes a set of beliefs, beliefs about what someone of my colour can do, be, or achieve. But this isn't just restricted to colour. Every time we make someone's differences wrong, we limit who they are, and we limit ourselves. We limit our view of the world, our view of people, our view of what is possible for ourselves and others. This makes our world smaller, hurtful, and less hopeful. The violence of racism in South Africa is well documented. But what often is not understood is the impact of apartheid on family units. My father came from a very close family, yet they seemed to have issues coming to terms with who they were. We were all cut from the same cloth. It was just that some of us came out of the dye pool a bit darker than others. Given the way South Africa treated non-whites, when people had the opportunity to pass for white, the cruelty of apartheid made its way from the streets into our homes. But this wasn't as cut and dried as you might have thought. When it comes to skin colour, there were so many shades. And in a country with more shades of colour than you can imagine, passing for white came down to the right combination of pale skin, straight hair, and a slim nose. As it happened, I was the darkest in the entire family. And my father's relatives let me know that my skin was too dark, and my sister's hair was too curly to pass for white. Some of his sisters made their dislike of us apparent at every opportunity, whether it was being sent home because they had white friends coming, or being left on a street corner as they drove past because they had white cousins in the car. Of course this wasn't exclusive to me. My mother experienced this as well. At the time she was pregnant and exhausted from work, and so she decided not to wait for the African bus and chance it on the white bus. When she got on, she saw her sister-in-law was already on the bus. But thinking my mother would be thrown off, my aunt pretended not to know her. My oma loathed my father's family for their mean-spirited treatment of us. She said, they might pretend to be white, but they can't hide their African blood, because it not only comes out through the colour of their skin, but you can see it in the frizz of their hair and the broadness of their noses. To me, it felt like a sickness had possessed them, how could they treat people in their own family badly because of the way they looked or the colour of their skin? Only now do I understand that their behaviour was only driven from fear. When you spend your life covering up parts of who you are, it eats into your self-belief. How can you possibly feel good about what you represent in the world, when the world you live in has taught you to hide because your colour, your race, your religion, your education, your background, or any part of you that has been defined as not good enough. The family could obviously not accept our differences, because they could not accept their own. What I have learned is that we only judge others after we have made an internal judgement, 
and that judgment holds us prisoner forever. The simple truth is that if we dislike someone for their differences, it means we have not come to terms with our own. After the incident with my aunt, my mother continued to catch white buses when she needed to. My mother's skin was pale, and she had white features, having inherited the dun nose from her father's side of the family. Nevertheless, she could have been thrown off the white buses, but she believed she was entitled to be there, and so no one ever questioned her. In her own way, my mother did all she could to not let apartheid define how I thought about myself. She worked hard to remind me whenever she could that I was as valuable as everyone else. She showed me this one afternoon when she saw white children taking pony rides in a park. Staring at them with wide-eyed envy, I told her that I thought the white's only rule was stupid because the pony didn't care what color people were. Running her hands through my hair, she agreed with me. Then suddenly in full stride, she grabbed my hand and together we headed towards the ponies. Rule or no rule, my mother was not going to deprive me of the opportunity to feel like I was as worthy as anyone else. We stood in the line a long time with all the white South Africans and waited anxiously for our turn. I felt scared because I remembered the man outside our house and what happened when the rules were broken. Fearlessly, she bought me a ticket and put me on the pony. She reassured me that everything was fine. No one said anything. My mother walked along the trail holding the pony. As the horse trotted, so did my heart, as I clucked my tongue and said, giddy up. The pony snorted and shook his head from side to side, and sitting on his back I felt like I was sitting on top of the world. In truth, it was one of the most fun things I had done in my whole life. When she took me off the pony, we both laughed. My mother told me that one day things would be different. I believed her, but when that day would come I did not know. What I did know was that it was a very different day for me, and for one of the first times in my life, I felt that my colour did not need to define me or what I could do. This was a powerful memory that I carried with me for my whole life. Regardless of what country I have worked in, I carried this belief with me. South African apartheid was abolished decades ago, and yet South Africa still carries the heartache of violence and inequality, as do so many nations. And the reason for this is that segregation isn't just a legal issue that goes away when the law is changed. As people, once we have felt the sting of inequality and feeling less, it lives in our hearts and sits at the core of self-belief. The current race riots that we are experiencing around the world are a symptom of people standing up and saying they are worth more than being treated differently or less than others. And this is a great thing. But I don't believe violence and anger are the answer. Racially motivated violence breeds hate and more violence. As I watch the riots and protests, I feel great sadness and anger. In truth, it has reminded me of all that I experienced and worked so hard to get beyond. However, the key to getting beyond my own childhood traumas of being beaten, spat on, abused and rejected on a daily basis was not allowing the hate and anger to become bigger than me. This wasn't an easy path, and sometimes I still fall down. If we want our future to be different, I believe the only thing that will help is healing ourselves, celebrating and accepting our differences, and teaching our children to honour and cherish their differences of every kind. 
for them to fully embrace who they are and to believe in themselves. To be prepared to defend their differences and back themselves, knowing they have something special and different to contribute to the world. As adults living in a world that continues to be polluted with the stench of inequality and the pain this brings, it is our responsibility to stand up. Not to stand up and fight with violence, but to stand up for our individuality, for our equality, for our differences, and for the differences in people of every kind. To stand up for people's right to be themselves. As human beings, we come in all colors, shapes, and sizes. When we can accept this simple truth, we will no longer hurt ourselves and each other for the simple things that make us human. We need to remember that this is also not an issue that will be solved by statutes, inquiries, policies, or more stakeholder engagement. Of course, these are necessary to embed change. But there are other, more important fundamentals that will make this change real. As people who want to do good in the world, we need to call it out in our own worlds, knowing that what takes place around the water cool at work or online or at a party, or in our own community, is only a small reflection of what happens across the world. We are all responsible for the world we live in, and we can all make a genuine difference by choosing to be kinder and to let people be themselves, even if they are different from us. A waterfall starts with one drop. We can all be that drop. Small acts of acceptance and respect create ripple effects that go well beyond what we can see when it comes to overcoming the inequality that is casting a long shadow over our humanity. It relies on every one of us to stand up and be activists for change. And this starts with changing our inner worlds. We need to stop making comparisons and start valuing what is different and special in ourselves and others. We need to approach the mirror and ourselves with more kindness and acceptance. Because in truth, we can only give another person what we have inside. By doing so, we give ourselves permission to be the greatest version of who we are, to believe in ourselves, to expand our own vision, to know we can reach for things and expect to get them. Only then can we extend this to others at an individual level and beyond. But this all starts with a choice, that we want our world to be different, and for our children to have the best lives they can. After all, the truest antidote to racism and inequality is learning to celebrate and value our differences and the spirit of our humanity. Until next time, I'm Gregory Landsman. This is Stress-Free Living. Stay blessed and do good in the world.
Keep it real, keep it soft. 